guys, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the uh, 20th chapter of the gospel according to St. John. St. John, the 20th chapter. Now, we've been sharing with you from the subject of unity, I need you. And we covered uh, some uh, different aspects of that. We talked about the fact that unity is developed through authentic community. And Jesus uh, gives us the perfect example. And we follow his life and how he dealt with his disciples to understand what authentic community looks like. How many of y'all would agree with me there's too much fake community going on, going around? I mean, people pretending like they're connected with you, but they're really not. People who are pretending like they really love you, but they really don't because they don't even understand what love is. Because I'm telling you, if, you, if you're not connected with God, amen, in a deep, intimate way, you won't really fully understand what true love is all about. But Jesus and his disciples uh, model what community was all about. And that's what we're after as a body of believers here, authentic community, doing life together so that we can encourage and help one another. We're going to begin our reading at St. John, the 20th chapter, verse number 19. We talked about the fact that Jesus uh, selected these guys to follow him, right? He called a few men to follow him who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he returned to the father. We talked about uh, association. We said that he stayed with them, making it a practice to be with them, drawing them close to himself. And last, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about consecration, where he required obedience so that they would willingly deny themselves for others. So consecration. So today we're going to talk about impartation. Everybody say impartation. St. John, the 20th chapter, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 19. St. John's, the 20th chapter, verse number 19. The text says this, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Next verse says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they, what, saw the Lord. Next verse says this, again he said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Next verse, 22 and 23, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The text says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So let's, let's, let's see if we can unpack some things here, because I think it is critically important that during the times that we're living in right now, that the church manifests the wisdom and the power of God in such a way that society cannot deny what's on the inside of us. See, we've been called to be ambassadors for Christ. Am I right about that? And as ambassadors for Christ, we, we have a responsibility to model uh, the tenets of our faith in such a way that people see us and they see God in us. Are y'all tracking me today? That they, that they see us and when they see us, they see God, the love of God, operating on the inside of us. But yet we see a, a lot of times when we look into the culture, when we look into what's happening in the church specifically, many times the church is not being who God called and ordained for us to be. I want to take you back uh, almost 60 years. And, and again, I've been referencing this uh, when we started on uh, building a multi-ethnic church. And, and then I, I want to reference it again because I don't want you to miss this. 
uh, almost 60 years ago when Dr. King was sitting in the, in the jail in Birmingham, he said some very profound things. And I challenge you all to go back and read that letter. But I want to share something with you because when I see what was happening 60 years ago, I see some of the same things happening in the church now in, in the year 2022. And it should have been progression that we should have seen. Listen to what he says. He says, he says, uh, I am, he says, in deep disappointment, I have wept over the laxity of the church. But be assured that my tears have been tears of love. There can be no deep disappointment where there is no, there's not deep love. He says, yes, I love the church. How could I do otherwise? I am in the rather unique position of being the son, the grandson, and the great-grandson of preachers. Yes, I see the church as the body of Christ, but oh, how we have blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformist. There was a time when the church, listen to this, there was a time when the church was very powerful in the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believe. Now, I I got news for you. There's not a whole lot of Christians who are willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. There's not a whole lot of Christians who are willing to step out and say, listen, I'm going to be bold and unashamed, and I'm going to speak truth no matter who it has to be spoken to. If it's my mama, my grandmama, my daddy, whoever it may be, I'm going to speak that truth. Listen to what he says, guys. He says, there can be no deep disappointment where there's no deep love. Yet, Yes, I love the church. How could I do otherwise? And he talks about the fact, that he's, uh, again, let me skip forward. Yes, I see the church as the body of Christ, but oh, how we have blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformist. There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time of the church, Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believe. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. He says, but but the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment. He says they were too God intoxicated. I love this phrase. They were too God intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? I think I'll repeat that again. They were too God intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. That's what he said. Uh, He says, but but as we move on, uh, we look at the the fact, and I'm skipping forward here. He says, uh, by their effort and example, they brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and in gladiatorial contests. He says, things are different now. So often the contempt, now this is 60 years ago. Listen to how it resonates still in 2022. So often the contemporary church is weak. Any church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity. I'm going to repeat that. 
if, hear me, listen to this. If today's church, this was 60 years ago, guys. If today's church, and and it's relevant today, if today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Now, I could read on, but I would challenge you to go and read. So, but, but I thought about that. That was 60 years ago. And he was talking about the, the churches who, who, will, who will not be bold enough to, to declare what's right, even if declaring what's right means that people are going to be angry with you. Even as a pastor, if it means having to leave the church or being voted out of the church or being fired because you stood up for truth. And there were many of them who did it. And he goes on and talks about that. Everybody, this is not everybody, but there's a remnant. And EBC, I want us to be more than a remnant. I want us to be an army who's speaking the truth of God's word. I want us to be that church that, that, that when, when, when we're out engaging ourselves in society, we're not being obnoxious. We're just going to be biblical and we're going to stand strong on the truth of God's word. Are y'all with me today? Now, 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 are y'all with me? Look, look at John, the 20th chapter. And let's get back there. Look at, look at John, the 20th chapter. Glory to God. And look at verse number 19. Again, again. He says, uh, that Sunday evening, disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, guys, the the, the thing we're focusing on today is impartation. So let me define that for you, okay? Uh, Impartation comes from the root word impart. Everybody say impart. And the word impart means to give or to convey or to grant something. Everybody say give, convey, or grant. Impartation then is the act of giving or granting something. In the Bible, we see where uh, there are several things that were imparted. Number, let's look at one. Number one is one of them is spiritual gifts are imparted. If you read Romans, the first chapter, verse number 11 It says this, for I long to see you, the apostle Paul says, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, you may be established. Again, what is impartation? It's the act of giving or granting something. Amen. Uh, And we see spiritual gifts are imparted because Paul said it right here. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. The next thing we see is wisdom. Wisdom is imparted. We see this in the scripture because, again, impart means to, to convey, to grant, or to give something. Look at Proverbs 29 and 15. All right, 29 and 15. Glory to God. Proverbs 29, verse number 15 says, The rod and proof give wisdom. What does it give? It gives wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to what? Shame. Wisdom is imparted. Okay? And it's imparted through the rod and reproof. It's, it's, it's rod and instruction. Not just rod, but it's rod and instruction. 
Reproof is meaning that, that I, I, I instruct you in what was wrong. Too many parents don't take the time to pour into their children what the truths of the gospel are and what, 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 what they should do when they go into society. We have a responsibility as parents to train our children. You can't leave it up to the school system. That's your job. The school system educates them, but we have a responsibility to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Not only that, but the message of the gospel is imparted. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 to impart. Again, to impart means uh, to give, to convey, or to grant something. And so we're saying that Jesus gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. Look at what the text says. The gospel says, for our exhortation. Who's writing here, guys? Who? I need to hear y'all. Who's writing? The apostle Paul, who's he writing to? The church at Thessalonica. He's writing to the church. He says, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Look at the next verse. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with what? When somebody puts you in trust with something, that means that they, that which they have, they give it to you and they expect you to take great care of that thing. How many of y'all remember when banks, and I, I don't know if they still have it nowadays, but they had trust departments. And if you worked in the trust department, the trust department was there to, to, to handle the assets normally of people who were very wealthy. If you had a net worth of $1,000, you were not a trust department customer. I'm sorry. They really didn't want to see you coming with your $1,000. Now, it may have been much to you, but when you worked in the trust department, you usually handled the assets of whatever those assets were, real estate or whatever, or, or cash, or stocks and bonds. You know, they, they, they put it in trust and, and trusted you to handle that. Are y'all with me today? He says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but what? Not as pleasing who? Now, I got to ask you a question. How many of y'all are men pleasers? How many of y'all have, have uh, in your effort to, to not upset somebody, didn't speak truth when truth need to be spoken? Let me come to this side over here. Because... What I've discovered in the church, we have too many men pleasers. Well, you know, I, I would say that, but you know, if I say that, they're going to get mad. And, 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 and it, 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 if I say that, they're going to stop contributing to the church. I, listen, it, it, I, I, it boggles my mind when people do that. Uh, it, and, and again, think about this for a second. Who are you hurting? If you know what God's word says, and then because you were mad at Gary, because Gary said something in the class that you were, that you were upset with, even though it was truth, and it was truth, and it was hitting you, but he didn't know it was hitting you, but the Holy Ghost was just talking to him. And because the Holy Ghost was talking to him, you thought, you thought, he was, you thought Gary knew your dirt. And people do that all the time to me as a pastor. They think I'm talking to them directly, and they get mad. 
because they said he, he, he called me out on the pool. Baby, if I'm going to call you out, I'll call you personally and talk to you one-on-one. I will not have to come to the pool. But you, nobody in here is that important for me to set aside a sermon to direct it at you. I, you are not that important. I am not that important. But because the Holy Spirit knows your stuff, come on now, he knows your stuff. He knows what you argued about last night. He knows what you're involved in that hadn't been uncovered, and he's keep giving you a chance to, to, uh, to, to get out of it. That's why he's telling me to tell you to get out of it. And you thought somebody told me what you're in. I don't know what you're in, but I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit said. And he's trying to give you room to get out of it. How many of y'all know that God gives you warnings before he exposes you? He'll give you a warning. And many times those warnings will come from, your, from, 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 from those who you're in relationship with, particularly your under-shepherd. If he's hearing from the Holy Spirit, he should be speaking things that deal with your life situation. We're going to talk about doctrine. We're going to talk about uh, 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 sin. We're going to talk about all kinds of things in the church. Uh, but, but, but at some point in time, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and you are there coming to hear the word of God and you are alive and you are a Christian, at some point in time... I'm going to bring some mail to your house. And when I bring the mail to your house, don't do like Fred Sanford did. Don't go put it back in the mailbox. Open it, read it, and take heed to it. But Paul says this, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men. So, listen, I love every last, please hear my heart. I love every last one of you all, but my job is not to please you. Now, again, you ought to kind of halfway like your pastor. By that, I mean, there are going to be some times, guys, where where I I will say something, and if you're in your flesh and you're not mature, you can't receive correction. Immature people don't, don't receive correction very well. So anytime you start... Feeling, feeling a certain kind of way, start welling up on the inside, huh? Then, then, uh, then, 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 then maybe it's because you, you, you haven't put pride aside and allowed God to grow you up. Amen? Are y'all with me? Is everybody with me? He says, watch this. I got to keep moving. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which does what? Try it. The heart. What does it mean to try the heart? That means God tests our hearts. He tests our hearts. Look at the next verse. Keep reading. Come on, let's go. Can y'all read with me? I need y'all to read with me today, okay? Let's go. For neither at any time use we. I don't try to use flattering words when I preach, okay? This is Paul talking. Paul was not, listen, when you study it out, Paul was not as eloquent as Apollo's. Man, Apollos was smooth. Even though he, he had to be shown a more excellent way, Apollos could rhyme it in diamond. He, he had the gift of gab, if you allow me to use that term. Apollos was smooth in his talking. Paul was just straightforward. He says, for neither any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covenants. God is the witness. Next verse, let's go. Nor of men... Sought we glory. I am not looking for the glory of men. 
I am not looking for pats on the back. Now, again, listen, everybody needs to be encouraged from time to time, but, but you shouldn't live for the encouragement of men. Because if you live for the encouragement of men, then you're going to try to do what pleases man rather than what pleases God. So Paul says, no, of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. He says, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Look what he says. But we were what? Gentle among you, even as a, as a nurse charity her children. Next verse says what? Let's read. So being affectionately desirous of you, we will, here's the word. We're talking about impartation. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have what? Imparted unto you, watch this, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. He says, we imparted the gospel to you, but not only did we impart the gospel to you, we gave our own soul. We, 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 were, we were connected with you emotionally. We were doing life together with you. And that's what Paul says here. So he says, we imparted unto you not the gospel only, so, which means he did impart the gospel, but he also imparted his own soul to them. Okay? So the, gospel, the message of the gospel is imparted. And lastly, I want to look at material goods are imparted. Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And I think we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17 and 18. Everybody say impartation. Say, what are you imparting? Look at the neighbor. Say, neighbor, what are you imparting? What are you giving away? What are you conveying? What are you granting to others? Listen to what he says here. Are y'all with me? From the NLT, let's read it together. It says what? Stop. Who's writing? Who's he writing to? Timothy. What's that relationship? Timothy was Paul's spiritual son, not his biological son. He was his spiritual son, his son in the ministry. And Timothy was a young man pastoring the church that had some older people in there. So Paul and Timothy, Timothy by all accounts, was shy in nature. So Paul had to continue to encourage him in his pastoralship, okay? So he's encouraging him now, but notice what he says. Ready? Let's read. Teach those. All right, back up. Let's start again. I, y'all not reading with me. Come on. This is, this is the participatory sermon today. Okay? I need y'all to go with me. Are y'all ready? Let's read. Not to trust in their money. Stop. Those who are rich in this world means that those who are rich according to this world's way of measuring richness. In other words, those who are uh, who, who have financial well-being. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. It is so easy to trust in money. It's so easy to be at peace when you have a whole bunch of money if you're trusting in it. Because I would, I would, I would argue with you there are folks who, who have a lot of money but they're not at peace. Because they can't trust that you're trying to be friends with them just to be friends with them to be a, a believer in Christ. Many people who have wealth are always worried about why are they really hanging around me? Are they really around me for what they can get from me? Are they really around me because they want to connect with me? He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to what? Trust in their money, which is so unreliable. What, what does he mean? The value of money fluctuates. 
How many of y'all know we're in an inflationary climate right now? Are y'all with me? In other words, the value of the dollar has diminished over the last 12 months or so. So how many of y'all went to the grocery store lately and the same dollar that could buy this 24 months ago can't buy it today? Has the price of meat went up? Huh? Has the price of toilet tissue went up? Paper towels. Somebody say everything. So you can have those same dollars, but now they're not as valuable because prices in general have escalated. So he says, he says, watch this, which is so unreliable. So, so please, please, please hear me. I'm like James Brown. Please, please, please. Don't trust in money. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money. Let me say that. I am not one who believes, and the Bible never teaches that, in order to be spiritual, you've got to be poor. Because how can we bless others if we don't have anything? If I'm broke, how am I going to help you when you're broke? Y'all know what broke means? Come on, in, in, in the old school folks, that means when you look at your bank account, there's not much in there. So God does not have a problem with a believer having resources. He just doesn't want the resources to have the believer. All right. Okay. All right. Can we keep reading? He says, it's so money is unreliable. He says, their trust should be where? In God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So whatever I have, however minuscule it may be, however magnificent it may be, everything that I have, I give honor to God for it. I, I give him glory and I give him praise for me being where I am today. I thank God I'm not where I used to be and I'm thanking God and praising him for where I'm going to be. Because I'm not satisfied. I want God to, I want to be a bless, I want God to bless me so I can be a blessing. Can I say it again? I don't trust in financial resources, but you have to have financial resources to live in this capitalistic society. Am I right about it? So when we talk about money in the church, we talk about it from a balanced approach. We got to talk about it. And, and there are times, from time to time, we'll do seminars on how to handle your money, how to be more effective so that, so that you won't be burdened with debt and so that you can be free to give. But it all starts with trusting God. And I got news for you. God will use money to show you where your trust really relies. Where it really lies. The Bible said you can't, you can't, you can't serve God in that one. So who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust? Are, are you happy and, and thanking and praising God when the bank account is full and when it's low, you're in a state of depression? How many of y'all have had bank accounts low before? Huh? I like what Paul says. Paul says, uh, 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 can I paraphrase? He says, I've learned how to be abased. That means I have a whole lot. And I've learned how to abound. And he says, whatsoever state that I am in, therewith I've learned how to be content. In other words, I'm not satisfied, but I'm at peace. 
So no matter where you are, your state in life, learn how to be at peace, resting in Jesus. I got to keep going. I, I, can, I, can we keep unpacking the scripture? I got a lot of word to give you that. I want the Bible to speak. So that you don't think I'm making this stuff up. He says, their trust should be where? In God. Because it's too easy, guys, when you got a lot of money to trust the money. Hello? Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18. Watch this, guys. Tell them, who is them? Those who are rich according to the world system. Tell them to use their money to what? To do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those those who are in need. Always being ready to share with others. So we should impart material goods should be imparted. Now, I got, I got to get back. If you will, we talk about John, the 20th chapter. But I, I want to, if you will, allow me to go back for a second. Uh, I want to go back to St. John. The uh, Well, let's do this. Let's go to the 24th verse of that 20th chapter. Because impartation, I said, he, Jesus gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. Now, when we see this text in John, the 20th chapter, we see where the resurrected Savior comes in and makes himself known to his followers. Let's go to that 24th verse of that 20th chapter. Amen? Text says it's one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, uh, was not with the others when Jesus came. Next verse, let's read. He says, they told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, what? I won't believe it unless I see the nails in his hands, put my fingers in them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of like, I ain't, I ain't believing nothing unless I just know it for sure and I see it myself. I told y'all a few weeks back when I told you about two kinds of unbelief, I also told you about two kinds of faith. I told you number one was the Thomas kind of faith. And that's what we're seeing right here. The Thomas kind of faith. And the Thomas kind of faith is a natural human faith. Everyone, whether you are saved or unsaved, has this natural human kind of faith. Thomas's faith, like many in the church today, was based on, hear me carefully, was based solely on physical evidence. If I can see it, I believe it. Physical evidence. He believed only what he could see, not what God said. That's Thomas. That's, that's the Thomas kind of faith. Can we keep reading? I, and the other kind of faith I told you was the type of faith that Abraham had. And I, we're going to go to that just a second. We're going to go to Romans, the fourth chapter, okay? But, but, but Abraham's faith was a spiritual faith, a heart faith that was based on what God said. So my question to you today is, what is your faith based on? Is your faith based on what a man told you? Or is your faith based on what God told you? We discovered in Romans where it says faith, now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that we are not seeing. We can't see. We can't see it. We can't see it. Now faith is, it's the evidence. Faith is the evidence of the thing that I can't see. 
So in other words, God gives me a promise. Can can I go to Romans 4th chapter? I got to go there right quick. Go to Romans the 4th chapter. And we'll look at verse number 17. Verse number 17. Let's go there right quick. I need y'all to walk with me. See, if Abraham had gone by what he could see and what his physical senses told him, he never would have received God's promise. And how many of y'all right now today, uh, God has given a promise, but you are doubting that promise because you can't see it. You can't feel it. You don't have physical evidence of it. If you could see it and and feel it and have physical evidence of it, you wouldn't need faith. I give give this illustration all the time. If if I needed $10,000 and I had $20,000 in my savings account, I don't need faith for $10,000. What do I do? Just go to the bank and draw the $10,000 out because it's there. But if I need $10,000 and all I got is $1,200 and I don't know where it's coming from, I need some faith. Right? Because if, if, if I believe that God said do this and it's going to cost me this much to do this, but I only have this much, how do I get from what I have to what God promised? Watch this. Y'all there? Can we walk? Let's walk. He says what? As it is written, I made thee a father of many nations. Here we see the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church at Rome. He's recounting God's encounter with Abram or Abraham, whose name changed to, okay? And that was, this is over in Genesis, the 12th chapter. And we, just, we, we, we discussed this at, at, at length when we were dealing with building a multi-ethnic church. Y'all remember that? Because here we see Father Abraham. Father Abraham, Abraham the one whom God chose to birth the Savior into the earth realm through his lineage. And he says, as it's written, I've made thee a father of many nations. Now, nations here is not talking about a country. It is talking about nationality, ethnicities. He says, I've made you the father of many ethnicities. Are y'all tracking with me? Before him who believe, even God, who quickeneth the dead, this is King James here. Quickened it means made alive. He makes alive the dead. And I love this last part of this verse because this is what I've learned to walk by. He says, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God is the type of God who will speak something that you can't even see yet. As a matter of fact, God is the type of God who will speak something about you that you can't even see yet. He says, he tells you, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. When right now you feel very defeated. Right now you feel like you, you don't have any hope. But God is still saying, you belong to me and, 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 and you are more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. Isn't it amazing how God will call us what he sees and we, when we say what we see. God, God, God will call us what he sees and what he promises and we say what we see. When faith is not saying what I see, faith is saying what I believe. Oh, somebody needs to get this today because Jesus said it, say unto the mountain, 
Be thou removed, me that cast the seed, don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, and you shall have manifested in your life those things which you say as it is aligned with God's will. Can we keep reading here? Let's keep going. Watch this now. All right, next verse. Next verse. It says what? It says, who against hope, talking about Abraham, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. Who against hope, believed in hope. Who against hope, believed in hope. Can I use a present-day illustration? And I hope I don't, I hope I don't uh, offend any of my Cowboy fans, but last week the Cowboys played a, a, a rather atrocious game. Would y'all agree? And y'all seen them play better, right? But Bobby, against hope, they apparently believed in hope because still, after playing terrible, after, after the clock was almost run down, they eventually ran out of them, but they still had hope. They kept plugging away even though they had played bad all day long. Are y'all following me? What I'm saying is, had you turned, tuned the game on with about a minute or something to go or whatever, it just looked like it was impossible for them to even get close to trying to win the game. But they eventually got down to about the, what, 20-yard line. The clock just ran out. I kind of, I kind of I thought about that when it says, who against hope believed in hope. I'll, I'll tell you, Gary, you remember this, and this is, this is not me just going back to my old playing days, but Gary, you remember we, my wife is from Haynesville. And Hainesville loves football. They, were, they, they struggled a little bit here lately, but they were known for winning state championships. And back when we were in school, I remember this very vividly because every time I go to Hainesville, those folks still bring this up 50 years later. <laughs> the game was pretty much won by them. And then they had, they had to punt the ball. I think we ended up blocking the punt. And then uh, with about, I'm going 10 seconds left on the clock, we threw a touchdown pass about 40, 55 yards to Bruce Jackson at, at the end of the game and won the game. And they still talk about the day. At the time, it looks like all hope was done. But so you can't ever just give up based on what it looks like. I'm using an athletic example, but let's translate that to your life today. Many times we may be facing situations that look hopeless, but who are you got your trust in? Who do you have your trust in? Who Abraham, who against hope, did what? That he might become the father of many nationalities, many nations, many, many ethnicities, according, according to that which was spoken. What's been important to him? He had a promise from God. And the promise from God supersedes everything else that's happening in society and whatever's happening in church. Whatever's, I want to know what God's word says. He says, who against hope, believe in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. Faith coming by and hearing by. So what have you heard spoken? See, many people are hearing the naysayers in society. Many people are sitting around listening to what mom and them said. Listen to what, what, their, what their political party says. But I'm going to tell you, God has given us a word about unity and that we need each other. And that word, I'm going to keep preaching that word because it's in the Bible. And every time you start, I started out or you started out, go back to the word of God and see what Jesus said in John, the 17th chapter. He said that through our unity, the world will know that, th- that the father sent him. So we need each other. That who against hope, believe in hope that he might become the father of many nations 
according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Keep reading. Come on, guys. We got to go. And being not weak in faith. Now, guys, he considered not his own body now dead. Now, Now, he was not physically dead. You understand what I'm saying? But what he was saying was, at his age, it was, <laughs> it was impossible. It was it, physically speaking, at a at hundred years of age, uh, this man had no business uh, in the natural producing a child. Can, can we just can we just bring this up to modern day terms? If, if you will just look around in the church today, let me see the hands of everybody that's north of 80 in here. North of 80. If you're 80 years or old or above, let me see. raise your hand, please, please, please. Okay, there we go, there we go. 80 years or above. All right. You're over 80 years of age. Brenda, you're not that bad. You're not that yet, baby. Hold on, hold on. You're coming, you're coming, but you ain't there yet. Sister Henry, Sister, 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 Mama, Mama Kirk, Sister Galloway. Uh, do we have any men here over 80? I don't, I don't see any men here over 80. I think we have some of a few members of the church. But just can you imagine if we're sitting here one Sunday and all of a sudden Mama Kirk jumps up at 90 years of age, Sister Henry jumps up at 80, 88 years of age, Samar Jean Galloway jumps up at uh, 86 years of age. I don't see my mom here today, but Mama... Moselle jumps up at 84, all right? And all of a sudden, they come say, Brother Pastor, we got a testimony. The Lord has been so good to us. Whereas the biological forces say that our bodies were no longer capable of producing life, we are here to announce today that all of us are pregnant. Y'all would sit here and just, some of y'all would just fall out, wouldn't you? But I want to paint that picture because in essence, he says, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah no longer, body was producing what needs to be produced, the egg passing, the monthly cycle was all gone. She had passed menopause. She had passed that time when she was giving her husband hell because she was going through emotional So, somebody said, you're going too far. You better pull back. <laughs> she was past all of that. And yet, they had a word. I need y'all to listen to me because, see, today I think the church has lost what it means to walk in faith. We want everything to be seen. And God says, I speak a word. I give you a promise. Trust in my promise even though you can't see it. Faith coming back. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Keep reading. He says, he staggered, he staggered, he staggered not. He didn't stagger like a drunk man. He, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, guys, Abraham believed according to what God said. 
not according to how he felt. He didn't believe his feelings. He didn't believe based on what he saw. He didn't believe his physical senses. His faith was based on God's promise. And what I'm telling you today is we got to get to a point as a body of believers to where we are, we are living our life based on what God promised, not what we feel, what we think, and not what other people say. What does God say? Because Abraham, in order to become the father of many ethnicities, many nationalities, in order to be what Galatians 3 and 8 says, the gospel was preached aforetime to Abraham. He might become the father of many ethnicities through Jesus Christ's birth. He, Jesus came down through that lineage of Abraham, was born in the manger in Bethlehem, and when he went to the cross of Calvary, died, was buried and resurrected, and now anybody who received him can come into to the family of God regardless of what we look like on the outside. And that should unify us. Now get back to John, the 20th chapter right quick. I, I got to go, go to the 14th chapter. I need to show you something right quick. Are y'all still tracking with me? John chapter 14, verse number 21. Impartation. He gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. John 14, verse number 21. Can we read together? He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Can we read that again? I need you to read that loud for me. He says, what? Those who accept my commandments and obey them other ones who love me. Can we read again? Those who accept my commandments. Who's talking here? Jesus is. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. He didn't say those who come to church and been baptized are the ones who love me. He didn't say those who, who, who come to church and are a member of a church and they serve at the homeless shelter are the ones who love me. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Let's keep going. Come on, I got to move. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us? and not to the world at large. Fair enough question. Next verse says what? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Next verse, let's read. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. There's a lot of folks in the church who are saying they love Jesus, but they really don't. Because we want to pick and choose what we obey. If in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was God, the word became flesh and blood of my men, then that means that if I love Jesus, I got to love the word. How are you going to love the word but you never spend any time with it? Do you not realize in order for me to, to, to make a connection with my wife when I was courting her on the campus of the Louisiana Tech University in Russell, Louisiana, I had to spend some time with her and I spent a lot of time with her. You know what I would do? Just, just, how many of y'all ever made up something to spend time with somebody you want to be with? I know some of y'all, some of y'all been married so long you don't forget this, but let me, let me take you back. You make up stuff just to get in front of that person who you really want to be around. Oh, I forgot my paper. Oh, oh you know, I, I want to call you because, you know, we, we were formulating a study group. Would you, would, you, would you come be a part of our study group? Whatever. 
here's what I would do. I was learning how to play the piano. My wife is already playing the piano, Tyrone. She, she played for a church back home. Even though she'll tell you, this is a testimony, she was playing for a church and wasn't even saved. I mean, she was, she was, she was religious. She knew what it meant to, uh, she was baptized, but not have ever really received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So she played. So I was taking a piano class. One of my classes I was taking, it was a legitimate class. It was a piano class. And I would call, after having met her and finding out that she played the piano, I would call her up and say, can you meet me in the piano room and show me this chord I'm trying to get? Now, listen, I, I, trust me, I want to play the piano and I want to be proficient, but I had, you know, I was thinking about more than the piano. <laughs> can I get one person to say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor? So y'all looking at me like, well, oh, it, it, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> My point is, when you love somebody or love something, you figure out a way to spend some time with them. And if you love Jesus, don't give me this stuff that I'm too busy to take the class. I'm too busy. I got too much going on, pastor. But you love Jesus. But won't spend any time in his word. He says, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my word. Well, what are you talking about, brother, pastor? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needed not be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth. If I can rightly divide the word, that means I can wrongly divide it. And a lot of times people wrongly divide the word of God because they have no doctrinal or theological foundation. They know how to feel good, and they, they, they come to church, and they, they feel good. But what does the word say? Okay. Can I keep moving? Some of y'all still think about the piano room much. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. Okay. Show me how to play this. The, the piano room, okay? She was showing me how to play the piano. Okay, so get your mind out the gutter. But, but, but there were times when I really wasn't interested in playing the piano. I just wanted to see her. That's what I'm getting at. And see, when you, somebody said, we know. <laughs> they said, you don't have to explain it, Pastor. We understand. You see, listen, when you love Jesus, nobody has to beg you to spend time with him. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that in the church we're begging people? I mean, but you know what? I stopped doing it as a pastor. Because I, I, I discovered that, 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 that if a person I want to be a disciple, you can't make them be a disciple. And Jesus even said, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Some of y'all are wasting your time on people who don't have no intention of really following Jesus. You love them, you pray for them, but you got to keep moving. Everybody said, we got to keep moving. God is trying to do something in this ministry and we can't sit there and wait on you and you don't want to come. Now, it's one thing if you're struggling that's if, and if you need some help. We, we'll, I'm, I'm willing to help anybody who's struggling say, Pastor, I'm going through a time period. I'm willing to bring you along. But if you, you've been in this thing 25 years or 20 years, 30 years, whatever, however long, and you're still doing the same thing the same way you did 15, 20 years ago. Everybody said something wrong. 
Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Oh, Lord, Jesus, my time is running. Keep reading. It says what? Uh, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Let's go, guys. Let's go. It says what? But when the Father sends the advocate, the comforter, as my representative, that is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I got to keep going. He says, I'm leaving you with the gift. Okay, watch what he says here. Listen to this, guys. I'm leaving you with the gift. Watch what it says. Peace of mind and heart. Baby, let me tell you something. If, if, if you don't realize the valuableness of this gift right here, peace of mind and heart, just keep on living, as the old folks say. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how saved you are. You can speak in other tongues. You can love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. But there is stuff that's going to come into your life because we're in a fallen world. And there's stuff that will come knocking at your door that will cause you to, to back up and, take, and, and, and just take, take notice. Because you're saved don't mean that, that tragedy won't come to your house. It does. Because you're saved don't mean that you won't have valley experiences. We all do. But yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, it comforts me. Thou knowest my head with all. My cup runneth over. Surely. Everybody say surely. Say surely. <laughs> Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Oh, my time. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. He says, I'm giving you something that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. That's what he tells his followers. Now he's getting ready again on, on, on the way to the cross of Calvary. And he's, 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 he's pouring into them, letting them know that don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Keep reading. I, I like this part. I, I, I got to get this in. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you'll be happy that I'm going to the father who is greater than I am. Next verse. I have told you these things, watch this, before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. Now, now watch what Jesus says here. And, 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 and guys, here's kind of what, 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 I, what I'm getting at with us. We serve a God, as we saw in Romans, who calleth those things which be not as though they already are, so that when they do come to be are, then your faith is, is, is stimulated because he already told you before you ever saw it. <laughs> that went over somebody's head. He says, I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. I shared, I, I shared something with the finance committee the other day when we were meeting. And, and I, I've only shared this with a couple of people because, you know, you know the enemy will try, try to tell you well, that wasn't the Lord. That wasn't the Lord. That wasn't the Lord. Because it, it hadn't worked out yet. That's not the Lord. Well, uh, let me tell you, can I, I'm going to share it with you. In my time, is, I, I think, can, I, can I come back next week? I just had, I just, God just gave me a bunch of scripture to feed you on. Because somebody's faith needs to be stimulated today. 
Somebody needs to know that, that, that it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. I was walking, doing my, doing my daily walk that I do. Usually try to do about seven miles. And I was walking around the church and the Lord said, listen, this is what he told me. I, either it was the Lord or just me. And so time will tell if it was just me. I'm big enough to say that sometimes I thought it was the Lord and it was just me. But I was, I was walking around the church and um, all of a sudden the Lord said, this piece of property, I want you to offer this amount of money for it, for the church. Okay? And I am faithful. I'm your God. Now, I'm walking around the church now and he tells me that. Now, the, now this, this, I just don't think this was coincidence. While I'm walking around the church, okay, I'm on the backside of the fellowship hall. Kind of like Moses on the backside of the devil. On the backside of the fellowship hall. Then all of a sudden, while I'm walking, and God just told me that, the man who owns this property pulls up on the property. He comes down this side, gets ready to go down through that side and go back out like a lot of people do. But while he tried to go out that side, he couldn't go because Rashad's new machinery was blocking it. So he had to back back up and come down there where I was on the back side of the fellowship hall. And when he comes by and we begin to talk and we begin to share, and I've approached him before, but I, and, I, and, and I just told him what the Lord had told me. He said, well, we'll offer you and, and, and we'll give you a donation letter for the remainder part of that. And, and uh, the reason why I'm telling you all this because because I'm telling you all this because I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm saying here. See, I, I'm telling you this so that when it happens, you'll believe. Now, now, now so, so he, he, he left and called the guy, his realtor, and the realtor called me, and, and, and we were basically uh, 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 $5,000 per acre apart on what I said the Lord told me, and, and I believe he confirmed it by sending the guy while I'm thinking about this. So, so the guy said, I just can't do it for that. So what he said? Well, but you know what? I'm just standing. Because I believe what the Lord told me. And time was, and I'm telling you now, so that when it comes to pass, you'll believe that that was the Lord talking to me and that was not just some random coincidence. Faith it's the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. So I'm willing to stand in faith until God brings it to pass. So now it's out. I've told you these things before they happen. Again, this guy is, is, is pretty firm. And it's, it's been for sale for a long time. And somebody else could come along and buy it. But if it's of the Lord, he'll bring it to pass. But I'm telling you, before it happened, so that when it happened, you'll believe. <laughs> Is that what Jesus, he said? I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. 30 and 31, I got I to gotta get out of here. I got to let you go. Because we're going to impart some more next week. Can we impart some more next week? Will y'all go with me next week? See, now I'm, I'm a series sermon type preacher and, 
And so I, I, I want to just unpack scripture because I want the Bible speak to us. Because somebody needs their faith stimulated. There. I don't know who you are. It's strong in my spirit, but you got to stop whining, stop complaining, stop saying what you can't do, and start trusting God that He is able. I've seen Him do it before. I told you before, you should have caught me before I saw the Lord work in my life. It's too late to stop me from believing now. Because I know what the Lord has done. I've seen him make a way out of no way. I've seen him turn some midnights in the day. I saw him do it before. And if he did it back then, he can do it again. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the rule of this world approaches. He has no power over me. 31. But I would do. Jesus said, he ain't got no power over me. I told you this last week. But I'm going to do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Don't you miss this. Jesus said, the ruler of this world really ain't got no power over me. And I can wipe him out right now, but I'm going to do what the Father sent me to do. So, so the world will know that I love the Father. Come. Let's be going. See, you're going to prove your love of Jesus, your Savior, by being obedient to what he commands you in the scripture. You can sing about love all day long. You can talk about it and write it down in a love letter. But until you start doing what he says, you're not really showing love. Jesus gave his life for you and I on Calvary's Hill. He died a sacrificial death so that you and I, you and I could have a relationship with the triune God. He loves us so much and wants the very best for us. Even when we messed up royally, even when we went astray, he still is trying to do everything to bring us back into his presence. Unity. I need you. I got some more to unpack on this, guys. And we're going to go through scripture because God has given us an assignment. EBC, do y'all hear me? I, I don't know the, the, the fullness and the totality of the assignment. I just know what he gave us to do. He wants us to be a vessel that he can show the world what that John the 17th chapter looks like. And in this crazy world where we're so divided by ethnicity and denomination and all this other kind of stuff, God wants to show that it's all about him. And when we will come together on the common ground of Christ, then we will begin to show the world that beautiful mosaic of, of, of different Christians from different ethnicities, Jew and Gentile coming together in one body, the body of Christ and loving on each other, showing God's love to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. I'm so tired of the vitriol, the divisiveness, and all the craziness that's going on. It's time for the church to stand up and say enough is enough of this foolishness. We're going to show the love of Christ. I may not even agree with you, but I'm going to still love you. And because I don't agree with you, because you don't agree with me, don't we got to, we got to, you got to hate me. Amen? Jesus gave his life for us. Now, as every head bowed, every eye closed.